good. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, appreciate everybody being here. Appreciate you being here during the time that Gary and Don were here. I appreciate you being here for the conference yesterday, and we appreciate you being here today. Um, and when we say that, what are we really saying? We're saying that we appreciate your faithfulness. That's what we're saying. We appreciate your faithfulness. Your faithfulness in supporting the ministry uh, and tithe and offering. We always try to keep that, you know, before you uh, because so many things are being accomplished by that. Um, a lot of traveling uh, among the elders is going to be going on, has started already, but will be going on, you know, all the way into the new year, including myself. And, um, so, you know, what we buy those tickets and we support each other. And when the elder gets to where he's going, then, you know, sometimes they have to be put up in places and food has to be gotten for them or whatever that has to be done. So that support is very important. Uh, so the faithfulness, good thing. Um, how many of you love the transparency that you're seeing? Isn't that cool? Okay, now you have to be honest for the next thing I'm going to say. How many of you put the elders up here and yourself down here somewhere, like for experiences. You know, like they don't go through that or they haven't gone through that. Have you thought that way? Yeah, some of you did think that way. And say, so, well, like they're special. Hey, uh, are we all human beings in here? That's number one. I don't see any aliens in here. We're all human beings. And uh, the thing is, we all have to learn. We all have to have experiences. But here's what I really love. Why are they sharing all that with us? Did you stop and think about that? Why? So you can what? We can experience it too. What else? To let us know that in this world we are the same as God is. Yeah, we're the same. Um, I, you know what I'm thinking about also? Humility. If someone tells you their experiences and even what the good and the evil of it was, isn't that good for you to know that they're being humble before you? Um, that's a good thing. That's a big thing to me. Uh, the humbleness of the spirit. Um, you know, we, we, we appreciate, I'm going to say this openly, we really appreciate uh, Rick for the things that he did. Um, all these years, uh, I don't know, maybe we even took it for granted for a while, but the things that he established, the prophecies he put forth and whatever, they're just marvelous because God's been acting on those things. It took somebody to start off listening to God and then actually following it. Um, we all, I know Rick and I came from religion. There was a lot of stuff, you know, I think maybe... Uh, uh, Gary did too, and, and Dan. Uh, Brian said he wasn't all wrapped up in religion, and actually I wasn't either. When I was younger, I didn't go to church and do anything like that. You know when I started? When I, probably at the very tail end of when I was in the Marine Corps, and, and then started searching for God. But all that time prior to that, I didn't have regular religious upbringing or going to church all the time. Um, but I, I think about how God has redeemed the time how he's redeemed what he's doing toward us in the spirit. I'm talking about myself now. And, and everyone can look within themselves and see how God is doing great things in you. And the amount that we've been here a while, haven't we? Haven't we been listening to the word for a while and, and things? It's been a while, the things that we've learned. We've gone through some things, but guess what? God is, is steadily taking us forward in the things of God. He's, he, we're walking in that light course he's leading he is the light but we walk in that so that we can continue to grow in the wisdom and understanding of God um, we I guess it's I'm trying to think of where I need to go here um, could someone get me or oh, you know what I'll do it real quick because I'm trying to see if I'm in the right spot Okay, hey, I have to take a break here for a second. Got to show you this, Ernest. This is important.
So I want to get them on if they can get on. I think, uh, yeah, uh, if you don't, I think I can look it up. Okay. Very cool. Um, God is doing, like I said, great things. Well, let me look up this. Um, forgive me for a minute here. I'm doing two things at once here. <laughs> and that's never good for me. Um, All righty. Uh, we were talking about reward and who is the rewarder. Well, who is the rewarder? It's God, isn't it? He's the rewarder. Didn't he tell Abraham, uh, he said, I'm going to be your shield and your great reward. Didn't he say that? Um, let me read you something, a couple of things here. You, you know this, what I'm reading now, but I just wanted you to see how reward is written in here. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So um, that's like, you know, the mercy that you show towards somebody or things that you give by charity or uh, a donation, whatever way you want to look at it. But don't do it to be seen of men, okay? Otherwise, you have no reward. There are people that give people things and do things for them but they're doing it for self-aggrandizement. It's for them. It's all about them. So you receive no reward for that. Even though you did do the act, you receive no reward. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. They want to be seen of men for what they do, right? Uh, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy life, left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I think he's trying to get a point across here, okay? Uh, they have their reward. Um, when you do pray, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay? And so then it goes about using vain repetitions in your prayer and things like that. So it's very important about this reward. Um, I want uh, my wife to read something here. I wanted to read, uh, we read it yesterday. Um, I wanted to read Hebrews 11 and 6. Got it? Okay, good. Hey, Laura, are you on here? I don't see the name up there, but I hope you can hear us. Um, so we'll go ahead and read that. Hebrews eleven six, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, so God is a what? A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I told you what the reward is, it's God himself. You know, we, we want to receive things for us. We're worried about us a lot of the times about a reward. Hey, let me tell you something. What if the reward is God himself and the power of God and the things that God does from heaven and you get to partake with that? Isn't that cool? I, I would love the thought of being able to, to do the things that Jesus did when he was on the earth. That's, that's my destiny. When, when he walked in the, in the spiritual earth and did the things that he did, I want to be able to do the same thing. Wouldn't you want to do the same thing? Wouldn't you like to have the same power that the apostles had? Well, it's available to us. That's the thing that's important. And God will reward you with that if you're faithful. Faith is a big part of it, about being faithful. But in order to be a rewarder, you must exercise faith for the rewarder to give you something, for you to receive that reward. It's very important. Um, there's another uh, scripture that I think it's Ecclesiastes 4.9. Can you read that for me, Ma? 
Ecclesiastes, I think it starts 4-9. We're on now, huh? Uh-huh. Hey, Miss Laura. 4-9. Two start. are better than one. I, I mentioned this yesterday, didn't I? Listen to what she's saying. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Keep going. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another help to help him up. Keep going. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But now can one be warm alone? And if the one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's good. I like that. So even if, if one prevails against you or tries to prevail against who would be that one trying to overcome you? Wouldn't it be the man of sin? But if the two of you are yoked up together, can he do that? It's going to be very hard. That's what it's telling you there. And then it takes you to what if it's three witnesses? Well, actually it is. Because what happens is, what did Jesus say about take my yoke upon you? So isn't it Jesus's yoke? But then the, the pastor's wife and the pastor in it too. Isn't that three? And the pastor and the pastor's wife, are they the two that prevail against the, the enemy? Are they the ones that say if one falls, the other picks them up? This is talking about us, guys. This is talking about the word that we have in us. It's talking about what God has been showing us in the glory of God from heaven pertaining to the pastor's wives, but also pertaining to the elders because that angel has the male and the female for ministry in the body of Christ. Isn't that how it's happening? So my wife helps me in that. She's part of that. I'm her covering so this is the thing that's very important so that the female aspect, the godly woman, can do what? Come forth with wisdom and understanding and show the unification of both. We are one in this thing. Now, what, what did we say happened before? When Adam sinned, didn't it separate everything? Now what is God doing? Is he bringing everything back? Is he bringing the church back into one? He's the husband. Is he bringing the pastor and his wife back into one? Yes. Is he bringing the deacon and his wife back into one? Yes. Is he bringing the church back into a one? Are they not the body of Christ, the bride of Christ? So everybody here is blessed by that unit, by those unifications that are coming forth. That's why that scripture was so important. There's something else that uh, I think it's Psalms 31:23. Go to that if I'm in the right spot. I'll know when you start reading. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful, plentifully, plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. So the first part of that is a good thing. The second part about him plentifully rewarding the proud doer is a bad thing. Let me tell you why I said that. We knew a pastor one time. He was having a, a thing where you know how they, what do they call those things that they, where they honor the pa pastor's appreciation? He was having a pastor's appreciation at his church. And uh, so all the church members were getting together. And one of the deacons got together and said, let's have a motto about what we're talking about uh, for our pastor. And so he chose that scripture. He didn't have the understanding. Because what he said was, this is for our pastor, and the, we, he plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Nice, huh? And, and that was cool. And they had a big banner and everything. Everybody that came for the appreciation saw the banner and everything. And, and, and I heard what the thing was, and I said, oh, no. He doesn't understand uh, what it means. He didn't, or else he wouldn't have put that up. There. You know what he did, huh? He plentifully rewarded the proud doer. So he took that as, oh, man, that's good. We'll put that up for our pastor, for the pastor's appreciation. All the visitors that came, big old banner up there. He plentifully rewarded the proud doer. 
<laughs> and then I, I said, oh, my, I hope somebody told them afterwards. I hope. I think that was in El Paso, wasn't it, Ma? I think. Uh, but uh, that, I said, whoa. Whoa. So God will plentifully reward the proud doer. You have pride in you? I, I've told several people, and some recently, about this pride, this superiority, this, this thing that works in you. It, you. God will plentifully reward the proud doer. Remember I tell you about how the reward works? Reward works good and evil. God can give you a good reward, but he's also going to reward the wicked, isn't he? And if you have pride in you and you continually hang on to that pride, guess what God's going to, he's going to plentifully reward you. Because remember, when they talked about those abominations, what was the first one? Proud look. God is letting you know that he's against that because that causes, you know what pride is? It's a tree. And it has roots. And from those roots, the tree grows up and it branches into so many other things. It branches into hatred. It branches into offense. It branches into being uh, immature. It branches, I mean, there's so many things, but the root is pride. Um, what caused the fall from heaven? What was that angel that lifted himself up, wasn't it? And then he, he lied to the younger ones that didn't understand, and he trafficked that to them, didn't he? You see how that worked? Because he was lifted up in pride, wiser than Daniel. Remember it says that? I think it's the 28th chapter of Ezekiel. So that pride caused a whole lot of problems. But there's going to be a reward for that pride. People think, well, I'm going along in my day every day, and I don't see anything happening. You know, guess what? <laughs> Maybe you're not even aware of what God's doing in you already because of that. There are things you start saying, well, why am I having these problems? Why is certain things, why is this happening? Why is that happening? And then you don't put two and two together. You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, would you rather have peace in your mind or would you rather have turmoil from all the different things that are happening? Whew. I'd rather have peace. I would rather have peace. That's worth more to me than anything than to be tormented or, or, you know, having a bunch of junk going on in my mind and not being able to even rest and have peace. You understand what I'm saying? It's a very big thing. Um, there's another scripture. Uh, I think uh, my wife is going to read that one to the other one I gave you. Go on and go to that one and read that. I'm going to tell you about a man today that, that's very... Um, we need to put ourselves kind of in his place so you can understand what God does, how he does it when he rewards you. And, and understand that the rewarding is going to be linked to grace and faith. And that's what she's going to read about right now. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Wow. By grace are you saved through faith. faith. Through faith. It is the gift of God. Isn't that true? So this is what God is trying to tell us. This faith that's going to be exercised. Did Abraham exercise faith? Yes. Was grace with him also? I know it says that uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But do you understand that grace was in the Old Testament too? You go back and look up grace, you're going to find a whole lot of references to it. Grace worked. You know why? Because there were people that exercised faith. Now, I think about the seed line uh, of Christ, and uh, it passed through, uh, sometimes it was kings, sometimes it was prophets, whatever it may have been, the ones that were righteous, okay? So God rewarded them with the things that are necessary for them to complete their ministry, whether it was the king over the people, whether it was the prophet, whatever it may have been, the teacher, whatever it was, uh, the priest in the temple, if they were a righteous priest. God would give them what they needed as a rewarder because of their faith. They would go forth in faith and do the things of God and call on God, and God would reward them with the things that, that he would reward them with that would bring them to a place to where they're mentioned in that 11th chapter of Hebrew. Isn't that true? It doesn't mention all of them, does it? But it does mention a great amount, and all of them have something in common. They exercise the faith of God. Through grace, the grace was God performing the works in them. Paul said, I couldn't have done any of the things that I did. I'm paraphrasing. 
if it wasn't for the grace of God that was working in me to perform that. I mean, he went through a lot of things. But look how much of the New Testament he wrote, two-thirds of it, and how much he went through, you know, and the, as, the, as the apostle to the Gentiles. So by faith, he walked in these things, and the grace of God was manifested in him. Remember one time he said, I did more than they all, but not I, but the grace. Did he have to exercise faith for that grace to work? Grace is the gift, and the faith is what brings everything forth. Is this the reward? It is the gift of God. Is this the reward? It's the reward. Don't you want God, if you exercise the uh, faith and the grace comes to you, to see a manifestation of those things of God from heaven? Oh, man, just to see it working in your life and you walking in it and talking in it. That's what the apostles did. They got to the point where they said, oh, my God, we love this. We love being apostles. We love going through and doing the things that you read about in Acts. Do you think Peter and them were excited that Paul was excited? John and all of them, when they went through and did the things they did, Philip, a deacon, preaching out Samaria, Stephen, preaching a message to where they wanted to stone him, but yet heaven opening up to him and he could see it. These acts of God are rewards to you for faithfulness. What God said, you allowed my grace to work and you were faithful in everything I gave you to do. And now they get to reap the benefits of that. Isn't that kind of cool that you get a reward for your work, for what you've done, and uh, in your grace that God performed those things through you because of the faith he had in you. Isn't that kind of cool? So uh, this rewarder thing continues to go. He rewards those that what? Diligently? 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 How many of these men have you seen uh, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament that were diligent. Were the prophets diligent? Wow, they were. And did they preach Jesus? Yeah, they did. They were talking. Sometimes Isaiah, I love Isaiah. They call him the eagle-eyed prophet because he spoke so many things about what Jesus was going to do when he got here. He did. Uh, Isaiah 9 and 6. Oh, unto us a child is born, a son is given. And, you know, it goes through the whole thing about the government being on the show. But he says, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. How many prophets got to show, wait a minute, Jesus is that. That's God coming here to help us. He's called the everlasting Father. That's a thousand years before there was a manifestation in this word. And he got to see it. He got to see it far off. Didn't Abraham see a city afar off? Didn't it say he saw this afar off? Was the gospel preached to Abraham? Oh, is that a reward that he got to hear the gospel that was to come after preached to him now by prophecy? I, I bet he kind of rejoiced about that. Ooh, I'm seeing some things. Oh, did he see it all? No. But what God is showing, even Daniel, all those things that Daniel says, do you notice how many things in Daniel match up with the book of Revelation? Yeah, also the book of Ezekiel. Look at how some of those things match up. And they go, and but... Uh, the Lord told the thing, uh, the angel to Daniel, he said, shut it up because he's not going to understand all of it. I'll let him see it, but shut it up for right now to be revealed at another time, which is when Jesus came on the scene. But still, he let him see it. Isn't that cool? He let him see. He let him see those beasts, you know, with the four faces and all that stuff. He let him see all kinds of things. And, and Daniel said, oh, man, it's so much. But God said, I'm showing it to you because you're going to be a witness. And when it actually happens, that's the second witness. Prophecy is going to be fulfilled. I'm telling you, Daniel, it's going to be fulfilled. Isn't this the reward for him to being faithful, being the faithful Daniel that worked under four different kings and they had to keep calling on him? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Even Belteshazzar, the one that was doing the impious feast, you know, they took the things of the temple of God and, and drank wine out of them and, you know, put all the stuff out there. And all of a sudden, a finger comes out out of nowhere and starts writing in the plaster on the wall. Was it mini, mini, Eupharsin, something like that? Yeah. And, and tickle Eupharsin. And so he says, gosh, I don't understand that. And so he said, well, how are we going to figure out what this thing means? And it made his knees shake together. You, you have a hand come out of nowhere and start writing in the plaster on your wall, and you're watching it do it. You think you might be shaking up a little bit, especially if you're sitting out there drinking out of the cup of the Lord? <laughs> you think you might shake a little bit? Well, he did. His knees smote together. Wow, what is this? Called all his wise men. We don't know, king. 
We don't have, but then one of them was smart and said, you know what? Your daddy <laughs> talked to a man that could tell him everything he needed to know, and he's still in the kingdom. Now, how come he didn't know about that? How come Belteshazzar didn't know about Daniel? He had drifted far away from what his daddy had done, drifted far away. So he said, well, who is he? He said, well, he said, the spirit of the prophets is in him and the spirit of the gods is in him. He said, well, who is he? He said, well, we'll go get him. His name is Daniel. He brought Daniel up. Daniel came up there. He said, if you tell me what this is all about, I'll give you all kinds of treasure. He said, he said keep your treasure. <laughs> keep, your, keep your manly reward, your earthly reward. That's what he offered him, wasn't it? He said, you keep that. I don't need that. I got another reward. But you're going to keep that. And he said, but I'll still tell you what it means. And he told him what it meant. And he said, your kingdom is going to be taken from you this night. Now, would you believe that? You got a king, you got an army, you got your palace, you're sitting in there, you're safe. And he told him, no, you lost it tonight. It's done. And that night, the Medes and the Persians came in and tore them up and made them all captives. God is real, guys. God is real. And, and so did he reward Daniel with the, always giving him the true prophecy and the power he had? And he, Daniel worked under four different kings and helped them all. Helped them all, prophesied to them all. Isn't that powerful? Would you like to be able to do something like that? That would be a reward to me. Oh, put me there, God. Put me there. I, I pray I'm worthy for it. Put me there. Let my faith be such that your grace works that way in me. Reward me with it, Lord. I love it. You see how this works? So it, the reward is being able to do the things from the heavens that only God can do. And he gives it to you because you've been faithful. Isn't that cool? So be faithful, guys. That's how God's going to work. Be faithful. Don't be proud. Don't be lifted up. Don't be superior. Don't, I, I, there was a term I used a long time ago. Don't be a curmudgeon. You know what a curmudgeon is? Somebody never thinks about anything positive, always complaining, always having a, a rough exterior, never looking good. You look at their face, their countenance looks like somebody hit them in the face. You know, it's just like it's never, I mean, they're sullen. They're just always in a bad mood, and they can't speak to you right. They can't walk up to you and smile and be nice. They're a curmudgeon. That's what they are. That's, a, that's an earthly term, but it sure does fit. I can say that term, and I know exactly what I'm talking about, you know. They're petulant. That's another term. They act like a spoiled, sullen child. They never grow up. And they could be 70, 80, 90 years old, but that's how they act. That's, that's pretty bad. Look at their faces, always like the world's coming to an end. I keep telling you about that little Abner cartoon. Some of you aren't old enough to remember that, but I remember it. And there was a little guy who used to have the floppy hat, had a rain cloud over his head, was constantly rain, and that's how he walked all day long with this rain cloud. He was always, what do we call that today? Depression. He was always in a bad foul mood. Everything was always in the negative. Bad things are going to happen. I can't hope for anything good. And he walked around that way. I said, wow, what a picture. What, a, what an image of a person. Isn't that true? All of us have run into petulant children, haven't we? Wow. Those are usually the spoiled ones. They're petulant. They're sullen. Don't respect anybody. They act like they always stay a child. They can grow up and still be a child. You see what I'm saying? That's pretty bad. Smile sometimes. Let, let people know that you love God. Isn't that cool? That's how we should be. We don't need to be petulant. But let me tell you something. There's a reward to those that are. You keep doing that and see what God does. See what God does. There's going to be some changes that you're not going to like. Because <laughs> God is a reprover. What did he say he'd do to those that were his sons? Did he say he'd chastise them? Yeah. Uh, does chastising seem pleasant at the moment? No. But it does work out a good thing if he whips that stuff out of you. <laughs> then you're going to be better, aren't you? You'll be a better person. God has chastised me. I know what I'm talking about. He has. And when he chastised me, I thought, oh, yeah, I messed up here, didn't I? And God's telling me, yeah, I did. So now I have to walk another way, but I remember that chastising. He said we had fathers in the world that chastised, and we gave them honor for doing that. Isn't that true? But what if God does it? 
Ah, is he rewarding you? Hmm. Here we come again. Is he rewarding that wickedness that's in you? Yeah, he's telling you don't do that. Let, let's, let's do better than that. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about a guy named Asa. Very cool guy. Um, he was for a while. Anyway, I'll put it that way. Uh, if you want to follow along with some of it, I'm not going to read it. Um, I'm going to tell you about it. But it's 2 Chronicles 14, the chapter 14, and the chapter 15, too. So uh, there was a, a prophet that came to Asa um, and told him some things that God was going to do for him. But the reason he did was because of some, some things that he had done. And Asa did, uh, I'm going to read verse 2, uh, 14, 2 Chronicles 14. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Took away all the altars of the strange gods in the high places and break down the images, cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. They had drifted away. You know how Israel was. They had drifted away. He's the king over Judah. Now, he's the third king since David, the third king, you know, but of course, they're going downhill, you know, but he's the third king. And so he's the one that's sitting on the throne in Judah. Remember, the kingdom's been split now. There's Judah and there's Samaria, all of this. There had been so much sin that had come in and split the kingdom, split the tribes. Two tribes in one, ten in the other. Remember that? And there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Well, he's over the, the, the king over Judah, over the northern kingdom. So anyway, they had righteous and unrighteous kings. If the king came to the throne, as the king went, the people went, the nation went. If he was an evil king, what happened? The nation became evil. If he was a good king, what happened? God would bless them again. There would be blessings for the children of Israel. Isn't that cool? That's the way it worked. But it was all according to the leadership that happened in that time. I want you to catch this. So when the leadership does what's right, God will bless. Think about the leadership that's happening right now. If the leadership does right, compare it to the old leadership. Look at the things that have changed since then and what God has done. When the leadership does right, God will bless. And the nation or the church under it will be blessed. It's a reward for doing the right thing. Does that make sense? So this is what Ace is doing. So he took away all of the, uh, out of the cities of Judah, the high places, the images. The kingdom was quiet before him. God brought him quietness and rest because he did that. Isn't that cool? Kingdom was quiet before him. He built fences. During that time, it was quiet. He built up the defenses around the cities. He built up the nation. He started, built up his army. He did all of these things. It gave him a chance to get all this done because he had been faithful to God, and God gave him peace all around. Hmm, kind of sounds like after J David had whipped everybody, and the nation was great. Remember? So uh, he says, and the Lord had given him rest. Wow. I love the rest of God. You know why? Because you cease from your labors. You're allowing the grace of God to work, and God will give you the rest because he's doing the work. Isn't that cool? Isn't that what you want your spirit to experience? This is very good. And so he said, while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. That's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and then let's, I'm going to tell you about his army right here now. So he had 300,000 soldiers. He had 280,000 other soldiers that were mighty men of valor, and they had a lot of chariots with them. So he has 580,000 men under him now. It gave him a chance to build up his armies and all this stuff. But God wants to show him something. Remember when David numbered Israel? And God said, oh, you shouldn't have done that because it wasn't about the might, how many people you had in chariots and horses and all that stuff. It was about me blessing you. He said, didn't you fight nations that were much greater than you in number and I still gave you the victory? Isn't that true? So why are you numbering, thinking that you did something? Well, Asa did something here too. There's a king that came up against him named Zerah. Now, catch this. Zerah had a thousand thousands. That's a million men. He was Ethiopian, and he had some Egyptians with him. A million men coming against Asa's 580,000. You know what Asa did? Let me tell you what he did. <laughs> Here's what Asa did. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa. You know, we say this all the time. God fights our battles. And he smote these million men before Asa. And Asa, all Asa could do was stand back and say, God, God's fighting the battle. <laughs> He's doing it. Is it a reward for his faithfulness and prayers? Who did he call out for? He called out for God. You see a million men standing in front of you, and they're all waiting for war. And you look at your army, and then you look at his, <laughs> and you say, oh, God. And he called out to him, didn't he? God destroyed them. And God not only destroyed them, he told Asa, now you go to all their cities, cities like there was one named Gerar and all that. He said, you go around and get all the loot that's left. He said, don't just stop by, by what I'm doing with them now and defeating them. Go to their cities and get everything they have, and they did. And it was so much that it helped them build up more defenses, do the stuff that they need. I mean, help rebuild the cities and the temple. And God told him, said, this is what happens when you seek me. This is your reward. Very cool. They carried away much spoil, smote all the cities. They brought cattle and sheep and camels in abundance back to Jerusalem. So much that it took a lot to get it all back. It took a while to get it all back. And the Spirit of God came about Azariah, the son of Oded. This is a, you don't hear about this prophet very much, Azariah. And his son was a minor prophet. Oded was his son. And they were both little prophets. But how many have ever heard that name? They're prophets of God. Prophets of God. And meet Asa and said, Hear ye, Asa, all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you. Because he did the things that he knocked down all the idle places. And all so I said, the Lord is with you. He tells him, while ye be with him, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Why did he tell him that? What did Israel always done all the time? Yeah, God would bless him, and then they turn around and do what? Forsake him. He knows this is the same people. He said, now, I bless you, but don't let this turn like it has in the past. Don't let it go back like it has in the past. And so this is what Asa confirms in his heart. He's going to stay, stick with God. He's one of the better kings, okay? But when they in their trouble did turn into the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Anytime they ran into trouble, God would come and rescue them, okay? Uh, so um, he goes through a whole bunch of other things, but this is what he says. Be strong, therefore, talking to Asa. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Here's the reward again, huh? His work where? Natural work or his work in what he thought about in God? And, and this is another thing he did. Asa made the priest come forth and he said, now let's go back to the commandments. Let's do the things that we're supposed to do for the temple, all that stuff. He did all of that. Those works are going to be rewarded because he's bringing the people back to a worship of who? Of God. So he said, you will be rewarded because you're doing that. This is powerful about the reward. God always rewards when you allow it, the faith and the grace to work in what you're doing. So it doesn't say grace here, but do you think the grace of God is working? Did he fight the battle for Asa? That's God doing the work, isn't it? That's exactly what God is doing. So he's promoting grace through the manifestation. Isn't he doing it? That's what he'll do for us, guys. You realize that we will start manifesting things because of the grace of God being in us, because we walk by faith. That's why I said this is the rewarder continued. I want to keep telling you about this reward that God gives us for doing what is right, Kiko. What is right. Does that make sense? Ceci, that makes sense, huh? You do the right thing, God will reward you. And sometimes we don't seek God. Now, this is the reason I'm saying this. Asa had 36 years of peace total because of what he did for God. One of the longest reigns without trouble of the kings of Judah. 36 years. But then he started doing something. He got sick for a little while in his feet. People probably say, well, maybe it was gout because he had much pain in his feet. He couldn't stand or whatever. And he went to the physicians and never sought God. There was a change. And then he started doing things 
to the people. Just a little, you know, he card on some of the people, even though all of them had come together with him to start worshiping God. Remember, if you do what I tell you to do, if you do the things that we command you, the nation will be blessed. Well, he got kind of hard on some of the people. This is toward the end of his reign now. But God still blessed him for what he had done. Isn't that powerful that God's like that? He said, I, I saw the things you did, and I'm not throwing it all out. We'll, we'll hold on to you a little while longer. And he did do something else great. So let me show you this. This is kind of cool. Oh, he even got to the point where he said, if any man or woman doesn't seek the God of Israel, he's going to be put to death. Asa said that. He, he was so serious about God once that change started happening. But like I said, after people stay in this for a while, sometimes they may get a little lax. They may get a little slowful. This is a warning against that. Okay? Now, listen to this. And also concerning Macha, M-A-A-C-H-A-H. Remember, I put it on that list when I get talked to the women, and I said that was one of those women you'd probably never heard much about. This is Asa's mama. Asa's mama is, is Mecha. And what she started doing, even though her son was clearing out all this idol worship and stuff, she brought an idol into the palace where she was the queen mother and started worshiping it right there in the palace. And the word got back to Asa. He said, oh, my God, my mama, my own mother. Listen to this. And also concerning Macha, Macha, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it in the brook Kidron. I'm serious, mama. I'm serious. You ain't doing this, okay? But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. But that 36th year, he started changing a little bit. But God still touched him according to what his heart had been like. Isn't that powerful? Does that mean that you can repent and come back to God in such a way? What he did with his mama, that showed God he still has stuff in him the right thing in him. See how that worked? Even her being a relative like that did not stop him from doing the things that he needed to do. Now, has that ever happened to anybody where you had to kind of cut even family off, huh? Have you thought about that? Have you ever had something that bothered you about your following in the God and it turned out to be family? Yeah. You know the truth, but, you know, they're being persecuted almost by the family because you're different. Well, he didn't care that it was his mama. Did not care whatsoever. He said, you're not going to bring idol worship here into the nation. I'm the king, and I believe God. Isn't that what we have to do with us, too? Sometimes we have to make hard decisions, guys, is what I'm saying. Hard decisions. But what I like is that we need to pray for people first, shouldn't we? We should pray for them and talk to them, whatever, but... but you know what the scripture talks about? Sometimes when they're doing some of the things that they do, it says after the first and second admonition, leave them alone. You've gone to them twice, talked about it, and then it says they are a heretic when they do that. Doesn't it say that? It said a heretic after the first and second admonition, leave them alone, drop it. Go a couple times, two or three times maybe, and, and try to convince them of what is right. And what you're doing toward the Lord is right. But if they don't hear, then you don't want constant trouble taken into your bosom. What does it say about taking fire into your bosom? You're going to get burned. It's going to be a long trek for you to come back out of that because you took fire. You took the fire into your bosom. You see the key, what I'm saying here? Doesn't it say that? You took it in. Very powerful. So what am I saying about all of this? Is God still a rewarder? What did she read about from Ephesians 2.8? Remember what she said? It's, it's the grace, but it's going to be through faith, isn't it? So is it faith that helps God to be a rewarder toward you? That's true. Is it the lack of faith that causes God to reward the wicked that don't want to have anything to do with God? God says he will reward the wicked. It's as simple as that. 
people, wicked things and people think they're going to continue to exist, but God's going to judge them. He's going to reward them. Now, what we want is the immediacy of it, don't we? Sometimes we have to contend with these things because what is God showing us? That we can overcome these things. Isn't that true? And we will contend with them. Don't run from those things. Don't run from the wicked. What did Brian tell you, Ma? About just go right into it. Turn, face that fear. Face all of it. You know why? Because by that, God's going to help you to overcome it. But at the same time, is he judging the wicked when you overcome it? Ah, so is he rewarding you by being an overcomer of that which is wicked? Yes. Wow, that's powerful, huh? That's why I wanted to continue in this a little bit. This is going to be a good thing for us to do, for us to understand. So the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We have to be diligent about seeking God. And if you're diligent about seeking God, he will change you. You will change. You won't be that sullen, petulant child anymore. You will change. God will bless you. You will see the blessing of it. You will walk in the blessing of it. Isn't that true? This is what God has done. How do I know that? Because he did it for me. I used to be that way. I did. And so God changed me. So I'm a living witness among you. Things didn't go my way. Whole world busted and disgusted, Ernest. You know how that worked? You got that shirt? Yeah. I, I had it too. I, I had to wear it. I had several of them. <laughs> I could change from one to the other. No. Quit being a little petulant baby and sell them because things aren't going the way you want it to go. Come on. You're better than that. Let's mature in the things of God. And like I said, sometimes that takes loving the body even when you feel like you don't want to love the body. Because that's what we are. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? That's it. That's how everybody's going to know. But if you treat the body like an old rag, you don't love your brother and your sister, come on. So how are they going to know that you belong to Christ? Come on. You're doing the same thing they do. Isn't that true? We're better than that. You know why we're better than that? Because Christ is in us. So this is the church, right? The church is his bride. Doesn't that work out? The church is his bride. We are married to him. And this thing that God is doing about bringing the church together and him being the husband, the church being the bride, the pastor and his wife, the deacon and his wife. How does the order go? Who's the head of the woman? The man. Who's the head of the man? Christ. Who's the head of Christ? That's pretty simple, huh? Follow God. Because it goes all the way down, huh? Follow God. So what is the church going to be like then? Is she going to be a bride adorned for her husband? What do you think, sort, what sort of things are going to be for adornment? You think it's going to be silver and gold and necklaces and earrings? Or do you think it's going to be the glory of God? The word of God? the spirit of God, a bride adorned for her husband. Because you know who her husband is? It's Jesus. And he's provided everything for her to be adorned with the power that he has. What else? The wisdom that he has. What else? The understanding that he has. What else? The foundation. Chief cornerstone. What is he going to do with that bride? He's going to build that temple the way he wants it. And he's going to inhabit that temple, until such time that he doesn't need to do anymore, like when we go to the book of Revelations. Now we're entering that city. She's that holy city that comes down from heaven, huh? And man, is she decked out. And it's on 12 pillars, isn't it? And each one of those gates is a different type of precious jewel, isn't it? And there's no more temple in the city anymore because who's the temple? We are, and Jesus is, right? 
And then what happens? Is there a sun anymore? Do we need the sun anymore? No. Who's going to be the light? Jesus. Wow. I want to be in that city, man. I want to walk all through it. Do what I have to do. Be there with Jesus. And then have Jesus put me to work. Every one of you that thinks that when you make it to what you call heaven, you're going to sit down under an apple tree and cross your legs and don't do nothing. I have a, a whole lot of stuff I can tell you. You're going to be working. You're going to be saving worlds. You're going to be going and God's going to send you into those waters to pull people out that have come to a realization. You're going to be the fire and the word that they are in, which is why they're tormented. But then you can relieve the torment because you can bring them understanding of that fire and that word and take them out. You can enter in and out and it won't be any problem for you. You can go into hell, walk around, get out. No big deal. You know why? Because you are the man or the woman of God. You see how this works? This is the church. This is the power the church is going to have. You want to be part of it? Then act like it. Let's do it. Let's, let's believe God. Let's trust God and believe that he's going to be a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Are you diligent? Are you being diligent in seeking God? Very powerful stuff. I'm going to urge you one more time. I'm going to end with this. Go look at the principal doctrines of Christ, Hebrews chapter 6, the lesson that Dan fixed up. He explains everything to you. Make sure you go through that because you can't overcome devils without the doctrines of Christ and understanding them. Does that make sense? So what am I still talking about? Being rewarded. Rewarded in overcoming devils. How many like to overcome devils? Because someone put you through some stuff, haven't they? Haven't they? So what about overcoming them and, and make them as nothing? Convert them, regenerate them so that they are no more. You know how we defeat that? They will be no more. If you overcome them, they've been changed, huh? No more. So did we just destroy that adversary? Well, we took them in and changed them, though, didn't we? Ah, you'll have the power to do that because God's going to continue to reward you for your faith. Wow. Anybody have any questions for me about what I said today? I'm still fired up about it. I'm just telling you. Anybody have any questions? Any comments? I am so happy to see all these people online. Wow. Tiana and Shane, Sean, Shantae, Laura. Hi, Miss Laura again. Alan Kenny, Steve, Steve Atkins. Look at all these people on here listening to the Word of God. And then all of us here. Isn't that cool? Whew. That is very good. God bless you all.